have your Bibles this morning, if you would turn to the book of James as we end our series in James with our elders. Have y'all enjoyed? I, I always enjoy listening to our elders. Um, uh, those, are, those are some of my favorite people to uh, serve with. And um, you've got a blessed church. We are no doubt blessed. But we'll be in James 5 this morning. We're going to start in chapter 7, or sorry, not chapter, verse 7, and read to 11. It goes as this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See now, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rain. You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray this morning. God, this morning I pray that my words would not be my own, but Father, words that, uh, that our, our church, our congregation needs to hear this morning. God, I pray that as we dive into your word, Father, that uh, God, that we would not leave the same we came in. God, that we would take every bit of it, Father, apply it to our lives. And God, may we look more like you and less like the world each and every day. Father, we love you. May you bless this passage as you already have right now. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Church family, you may be seated. I hesitated for a second because I thought I was reading 1 Peter. Um, in my, in my notes, so if you uh, saw me black out, that's what that was. But I don't know uh, if any in here, actually I do know, there's, there are some. I don't know if uh, many in here are actual farmers. And I'm not talking about like I have a tiller, a tiller farmer. I'm talking about like you spend all day out in the field farmers. Can, can I just get a show of hands, farmers? Any farmers in here? Okay, no one wants to take credit for that, okay. I mean, I drive out on Chocolate Road every day. I'm just, all right, so. But I'm sure most of you have planted something in your lifetime. If you were to come to my house, you would see that that is a place where plants go to die. Um, I'm not like Cody. Uh, I wish I was. Uh, but I'm not sure why. You know, we water them sometimes whenever it's turning brown. I don't understand why it's, it just continues to die and it's so needy. But... But maybe there are some in here like Jennifer Blackburn. So she uh, planted the uh, three pots that you see out there uh, in, as you walk in. It's so beautiful. Um, she has an eye uh, like Sean Kill. I know a lot of y'all know Sean, and Sean had an eye for plants. I mean, I, it didn't matter what season it was, he had something that would just outlast anything. And so Jennifer Blackburn, thank you so much, by the way has uh, taken up uh, that slack, and she has done a wonderful job. But it looks so good. It's not just flowers in there. It's like this combination of things that I have no idea. Don't ask me what they are. I have no idea. 
There's some kind of viney thing. I, I don't know. But you, um, you know when uh, to plant. You know when the seasons are, the locations. Um, I, and I don't know if, I, actually I know what Andrew preached last week, <clears throat> the covetousness, right, of uh, some things. And I am covenant of Cody. Um, just want y'all to know that. So along with other things, of course, you know, plants, he just has it. If you go by his house, it's beautiful. I just built a house. We don't have any plants out there. There's a reason for that. I have talked to people that know way more than I do, like Cody, uh, when it comes to planting. And I'm going to plant shrubs and bushes eventually. It's just I was told that right now is not, not the right time, right? Okay, good. Anybody else with me? Nobody? Okay, awesome. Um, but despite all that, whether you are a farmer great with planning or a normal person like me, there is nothing that we can do to cause that plant to grow, right? We all, we all can agree that, right? You planted it, you watered the plant, but you yourself did not make that plant grow. I don't care what anybody told you, you can't. Let me ask you another question. Who in here is really good about being patient? Huh, huh, y'all are about to get tests. Um, I'm not great at it. I'm really not. I'm not great at it at all. Uh, I, I, I got behind the car, uh, car the other day, and uh, it, was, it was going up a hill, and the car was doing about 25 to 30 in a 35-mile zone. It's going up Henry Mountain, uh, Henry Road, and um, it, was, it was a Yaris. Believe it or not, I used to own a Yaris. Uh, it was a five-speed. Um, I had to get students to get out of the car to actually go up a hill one time. True story. So I know myself that Yaris's have a hard time climbing a hill, all right? So I got behind the Yaris, and I was, just, I was like, I didn't really have anywhere to go. I just didn't like the fact that they weren't going the speed limit. So we eventually got up the hill, and I just, when I get, got down the hill and got over, I was able to pass the car, and then instant panic set in <clears throat> because I recognized it was a church member. And so, Jasmine, I have to publicly apologize to you this morning for, uh, I wasn't really riding your bumper, maybe I was, I don't know. But she was 10 and 2 all the way, and she went the speed limit. I mean, like, kudos to you. Um, but no, I am not the best at being patient. Uh, I've gotten a little bit better about this, but still. I hate to wait. I think a lot of y'all are in the same boat, same right. So bottom line, we can't do anything to make plants grow out of the ground, and we can't do anything to make the car or the yards in front of us go faster than they want to go. Like, Jasmine, you're amazing. Yet again, I just have to, have to point that out. We can water the plants. We can ride the bumper or maybe pass them in some kind of rage that <laughs> happened to me. But we can't do we can't make anyone or anything do what we want it to do. We can try, but we cannot make these things grow. We cannot make that person in front of us go any faster. And so we come to this passage today, which gives us an example of the farmer. In verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. So the first thing that I want you to jot down today and kind of take your notes is, we must be patient as we wait for God. We must be patient as we wait for God. The farmer needs his crops to grow so that, that he can live, right? He is dependent on that crop to grow. 
But he can't speed the process up, nor can he cause the weather to be perfect. A lot of farmers, majority of the time, lose their entire crop and have to go without. And that is unthinkable, right? But they can't do anything to prevent that or cause that. The weather is, is all controlled by God. We understand that. He and we are totally reliant on God's timing. So James tells us to be patient. But look at what he says after that, James 5, 8. You also, not just the farmer, he's getting in your kitchen right now, James right now. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establishing, uh, establishing your heart, I can't even speak this morning, means to strengthen your heart or to stand firm. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. James is telling his readers that they are to stand firm, to stay the course, to, to not grow weary in doing good. James says that we are to have an attitude of commitment to stay the course no matter how severe the trials are. See, this is where we lose a lot of people. This is where we lose a lot of people who, who call themselves, especially those who call themselves Christians. Nobody gets excited about how hard your life may be when you become a Christian. As Christians, we are called bigots because we don't accept what the world wants us to accept. We are ridiculed and ostracized for how we live differently from the world. James is saying to hold on to the truth that is God's word. To cling tightly to it. You see, we live in a world where you are told each and every day by celebrities to say, that say things like this. I'm a Christian, but I don't follow the God of the Bible. Or I'm a Christian, but God loves me the way that I am. And uh, I said a prayer, so I don't really have to worry about going to hell anymore. Like I can live my life and not change a thing. And that's not what God, God's word calls us to, right? Listen, church, Jesus ate and hung out with tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners of all kinds. But Jesus never walked away changed. Instead, the sinner that encountered Jesus walked away changed. That is how we are to walk in our lives. If you are a Christian, you will look different than the world around you. We have preached this time and time again. And I pray that... that uh, that we say and believe the same thing as uh, Athanasius says in this. It says, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. For the parents in here today, one of the worst things, there's many things that you can do that are bad as parents. But one of the worst things that you can do is send your kid off to college as a nominal Christian. One of the worst things, along a list of other things. We just encountered a lot, of, um, a lot of that in Boston. See, there were college students uh, that had no idea what they really believed. We encountered religions of all kinds, but most of them had no idea the basic fundamentals of their religion. One example was a student who said they were a Catholic, but believed that we would be reincarnated when we died if we didn't live the right life. <laughs> that would be nice. Like a mulligan? <laughs> Didn't do it right. That's freebie, right? No. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in scriptures does it say anything close to that. 
We have people, Christians included, that have no idea what they really believe, and we send our kids off to college without building a foundation on God's word, and we wonder why they stray so far away when they grew up going to church. We have told you the statistics before. See, the church might spend two hours a week. Two hours, at, at the least. Two hours a week at church. You get to spend at least four hours a day with them. Let me give you another number in there. Schools, colleges, jobs all over this world will get to spend at least eight hours a day. So if you think that two hours a week will prepare your kids for their spiritual journey with a world that is against them, I'm here today to tell you that that is not enough. And that is not what God's word has called us to as parents. I shared something on social media the other day of, of how um, the world has completely abandoned their responsibility to parent. We're no longer a parent, we're their friends, right? We don't want them to be mad at us. We want them to love us. So we let them and allow them to do whatever they want to do just so that they're happy. <laughs> I don't find that in God's word. We are to teach diligently God's word to our children, to our family. That's not the church's responsibility. And I believe this church equips parents each and every week to do that. I really do. But also, understand, understand parents, the ones that I'm, I'm about to talk to know exactly what I'm talking about. Understand that that's not a guarantee. That if you do everything right, that you take your kids to church, that you love them and teach them God's word, that they're going to love God the same way that you love God. But nonetheless, we must teach our families that we are to be, act, look, treat, and love those around us well. But that doesn't mean that we are to be inclusive to their sins. We are to love God. See, we are saved and then transformed over time to look more like Christ and less like the world. I believe that there are a lot of you in here that are doing that. I really do. You are, you're looking more like Christ every week. But there are some, there are also those who in here that think that they have everyone fooled when, it's, when it comes to your relationship with Christ. See, I thought I had everyone fooled too. I was at this church in that youth room right over there. See, I made fun and, and got mad at those who called me out. I'll never forget. I don't know if Eddie Cotton's in this room or not. But um, Eddie Cotton was running sound one morning. And he saw me at a place I shouldn't have been, uh, at a gas station doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. And actually, <clears throat> I wasn't really doing that. I was just with somebody, right? That's what everybody says. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget, right there, he, he opened the door. He saw me pass by. He said, John, man, you're, why were you doing that? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I saw you at Packsack. Like, why were you, why were you, I mean, I was just there. I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't buy it. Like, you're so, you're, you're, you're better than that. God has, we, we have taught you 
Like, we have discipled you. You're so much better than that. I'll never forget that conversation. And I walked away mad at him. Who are you? Who are you to judge me? But I thought I had everyone fooled. Eddie truly loved me and knew that I could do so much better with my life if I would truly surrender my life to Christ. See, I hated these people until God opened my eyes to my sin. I knew I needed him. That, that is the same prayer that I have for each and every one of you in here right now that are struggling with that decision. You need God more than you ever thought you did. Because there is nothing that I can say, nothing that our elders can do, there is no scare tactic that we can do to make you love and live for Jesus. You can say a prayer, that doesn't, that doesn't save you. Transform life to Christ saves you. But here's the thing, it's all in God's timing. I'm so glad that people didn't give up on me whenever I wanted to walk away. I'm so glad that I had loving parents who loved God and taught me more than just in church. They were patient. A lot of y'all were patient with me. Some not so much. But <clears throat> y'all are patient with me and you've and you've you've made me who I am today. And I thank you for that. But it's all in God's timing. I want you to live a life that is truly changed, but all we can do is plant the gospel in your life. And as we come to church each Sunday and Wednesday, we can water that seed. But we can't make you love Jesus. That is only done by God. So maybe today God is calling you to submit your life to him. Our prayer is that you would listen and respond. We would love to talk to you about it. We invite you right now, just if you are thinking about that, fill out that connection card and turn that in. And one of our elders will, will get with you. You don't have to come. If you want to come and find us after service, we would love to talk to you. Really would. But until then, let's keep moving on with this passage. Look at James 9, James 5, verse 9. James gives us a warning that uh, I think that we all struggle with. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. James is telling us not to grumble or complain. How many of y'all did that just this morning? Nobody's brave enough to raise their hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm just kidding. But James is telling us not to grumble or complain. We often, I know that I do, complain and compare ourselves to others. See, I find myself asking uh, and complaining about maybe another pastor or Christian that I feel uh, has it so much better than I do. Right? James tells us that we cannot live our life that way. Maybe it's, uh, it is the other way around for you. Right? That person is so mean and slanders everyone all day. Why do they have all this fun and freedom when I do what I think is right and... I get nothing in return. See, James, James says that judgment is coming. And God will, will, will judge not only those who have rejected him, but also those who love him. And this scares the living mess out of me. As it should you as well. To know that all of my sins... All of my thoughts, all of my actions in life will be brought to light on Judgment Day. All will be judged by the great and righteous judge. 
But the wonderful thing about all of this, <laughs> for the ones that truly loved and lived for Christ, we will be pardoned for our sins. See, that is unthinkable to fathom. That is absolutely unthinkable that someone would stand in my place and yet he does. That, that uh, those that live for Christ and obey God's word will be judged. And that's hard to swallow sometimes, but not found guilty. Do you understand how amazing that is? That is what God wants everyone. Uh, that, that is really what God wants for everyone. But, but only a few will truly surrender their life to Christ. See, that should drive us to not waste a single second when it comes to sharing our faith. And inviting people who don't look like you, who don't dress like the way that you dress, to come and experience what life truly surrendered to Christ really looks like. See, James is giving you a charge right now in Scripture. That judgment day is coming, but until it does... We should live to bring and share the hope of Christ with everyone we can before the time is too late. That is, that is what God has given us through that is a great commission to go and make disciples. Not converts, go and make disciples. Disciples at your work, disciples at your schools, disciples in your home, right? That is the most important place that you need to create disciples. Create disciples before it's too late. Start now. See, as we practice patience, we must live for Christ as we wait for God. Look at verse 10 through 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. See, this verse is reminding his readers that uh, God spoke through the prophets to, uh, to Israel and that everything that they spoke and foretold came true. He was reminding us the same as well. God is a God of promises. He, uh, if he spoke through the prophets of the Old Testament, and all of that was foretold and came true, then you can count on God keeping his promise to come again. Look at verse 11 again. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. See, God's blessing does not come to people who just do great things, but to people who endure. That's hard sometimes. Those who will receive the greatest blessing in life to come are those who have endured the greatest suffering in the present world. The hope of blessing now and the future glory should motivate suffering Christians to be patient and endure. So you've heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The example of Job we, we went through it, we walked through it as a church, uh, encourages those suffering trials like depression, anxiety, or loneliness because the world doesn't like the fact that you want to live a different lifestyle than they do. Encouraging. It should bring comfort to you. See, whatever trial you're facing right now in your life, James is saying to be patient as you endure, realizing the Lord's purpose is to strengthen you perfect you, and in the end, to richly bless you. In the words of Paul, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose. The last thing I want you to write down this morning is we must be steadfast as we wait for God. This is not a sprint. This life is a marathon. There are going to be bad times in your life, and there are going to be good times in your life that you will cherish. My prayer for you is the same prayer that I pray for myself, to make it to the end. To get to the end of my life and still be living for God. To still be serving God and those around me. We have seen pastor after pastor step down from ministry because of church hurt, because of burnout. Church family, I want to make it to the end. So what are we to do with what we just read? Every Christian is to live patiently and in hope of the certainty of Christ's return. And understand that every day that passes where Christ does not return is another day that we have to share Christ with those around us. To water that seed that you have placed in their life so that they might have another day to be saved. Nonetheless, we must live in daily expectancy. I want to read this uh, as I close. Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the Lord, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.